Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers Podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson, and we have entered the double-digit weeks in fantasy football, week 10. Look at us go. And uh, I feel like you're catching on me in these scoring predictions. Did you make up some ground after last week? I did. I, I made up a whole one game on, oh, nice. uh, on the standings here. So I'm 79 and 57 on the season. You are 83 and 53. I feel like we're both getting further ahead of being 500 on it i think we are getting better at it we must be yeah last week was a good week for us i went 10 and 3 you went 9 and 4 wow well there you go all right so we got four teams on by this week the Bengals, patriots jets and ravens um surprisingly it's the jets who are everyone has a winning record yeah everyone has a winning record and jets are joint uh best with the ravens at six and three Um, they're frauds you think so Oh yeah, hundred percent. I I don't want to get too much into it because they are on a bye. But you don't see a New York Super Bowl happening. <laughs> no, I can't say that I do. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you're missing quite a few players. Uh, it's how bye weeks go, as always. But uh, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some people you can replace them with and go to Thursday night football. All right, let's jump right into it. So we're talking about. Uh, a rematch of these teams playing just all the way back from week eight that's falcons at the panthers uh division matchup of course uh let's go ahead and start with cordero patterson he returned from ir and put up rb1 numbers against the chargers which a lot of people have this season uh only playing 39 percent of the snaps he did get 18.3 fantasy points 12 of those points coming from touchdowns that helps a lot um you think patterson is flex worthy moving forward I think at least. That's a fluky stat line, but Patterson had a good start to the season, and this was his first game back off of an injury that had him on IR. And this Mm -hmm. team obviously likes to run the ball for whatever reason, and even if they don't, Patterson is versatile enough, as we know, to do both. So I think, yeah, I think he's at least a flex play. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with that. I think that that's kind of reasonable moving forward with him. Um, Tyler Algier was also efficient with 38% of the snaps played, logging 10 carries for 99 yards and catching his only target for 24 yards. So he's kind of a big play uh, guy in this offense, it seems. Uh, 9.9 yards per carry is hard to argue with, but when you're playing in less than 50% of the snaps, it kind of leaves a lot to be desired from your fantasy running backs. Go ahead. Yeah, I would say that um, he doesn't have the receiving floor that Patterson does, although Patterson didn't showcase it last week. We know what type no, of player and, he has. And to be completely honest, when you look at Patterson's game log uh, throughout the season, he does not have many catches. Like, uh, he got three catches in week one, and then one catch in week three, and then one catch last week. Uh, he's missed a lot of time. This but offense is just run very weirdly, uh, we've come to realize. With an emphasis <laughs> on run. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. That is the case for sure. I mean, you have Drake London and Kyle Pitts, who uh, you're going to talk about them soon, but just mm-hmm. almost completely irrelevant, fantasy irrelevant for a lot of weeks this season. Agreed. Um, going back to Tyler Algio for a moment, I, I feel like he's a touchdown-dependent flex. He's gotten 10-plus carries in all but one game this season. I mean, obviously that includes the time where Patterson was missing, but mm-hmm. Algier has been, before even before Patterson's injury, he was getting double-digit carries every week. So he's a touchdown-dependent yeah. flex. I think in deeper leagues it's a viable flex consideration. Um, but, you know, maybe not so much in your 10-team league. Yeah. I think that's fair. We'll see what happens in this next game. I mean, Patterson already outsnapped barely, but outsnapped Algier in his first game back from injury. But they obviously like the rookie, so could be a good play. But yeah, TD dependent for sure. 
Yeah. Um, Kyle, Kyle Pitts delivered another low single-digit score in Week 9. Uh, the last time Atlanta played Carolina all the way back in Week 8, as I mentioned, uh, Pitts was the tight end 3 on the week, posting 5 receptions on 9 targets for 80 yards and a touchdown. Uh, probably a career best for him, I would venture to guess. Um, although this was in 5 quarters of football, uh, they did win that game in overtime. Uh, is this reason enough to give Pitts another shot in your tight end slot? Uh, maybe if you're still don't have a backup plan for playing pits this far into the season um maybe you can convince yourself that that is viable just because of how this game went just two weeks ago um mm-hmm. but yeah as we've said this this offense is run emphasis on the run uh, very weirdly so yeah uh yeah that's what i what yeah, do you think about that i i am leaning towards giving him a shot considering the opponent and the situation um and it really does come down to what you need and it makes it difficult that it's on thursday night you know if you could if this was a a player that was playing you know monday night for instance let's take the opposite approach and you needed a home run going into monday night you could put pits in your lineup and feel like okay at least if he does a game similar to how he did in week eight then i'm gonna end up gonna be in a good spot but uh, going into the week, you know, it, it really stings whenever a player puts up, you know, six points on Thursday night, and it's like you have to look at that for the rest of the week. So uh, I can I can That's see fair. going either way with this, but based on the matchup and uh, based on the situation, you know, uh, Mark Andrews, uh, obviously you don't have that. I don't know why I mentioned him, but um, I, I think the opportunity for viable fill-ins is going to be less available if you don't currently roster one already. Um, I guess that's kind of my point. So, yeah, get, give Pitts yeah. another chance. He did well against Carolina last time. Uh, there's really no indication that it wouldn't happen again. That's fair. Uh, moving on to the Panthers on the other side of this game. Uh, they got crushed by the Bengals. There's no nice way of putting it uh, in Week <laughs> 9, and that did not allow for much fantasy production. So we're kind of going to breeze through these players here. Uh, Deontay Foreman rushed seven times for 23 yards and caught two of his three targets for negative two yards. Uh, Foreman was the third highest scoring fantasy running back on Carolina with Juba Hubbard inactive. Is that news or noise to you? I think that we talked about it last week, just being a little skeptical of Foreman because mm-hmm. I mean, Hubbard didn't even play last week, but there were talks about him coming back and what that would do to Foreman. And I think that putting up a game like this and now Hubbard is trending in the right direction of playing, I think that is news uh, to being skeptical of Foreman's value. So I'll play devil's advocate here because this is kind of along the same lines as Kyle Pitts. Uh, Deontay Foreman had a three-touchdown, over 100-rushing-yard game against the, sure. against the Falcons. But without Hubbard. Yes. So I would say Even it's risky. The- but I would say this also, even with Hubbard act- active in, back in week seven, you know, post uh, McCaffrey trade, uh, Hubbard played and Deontay Foreman played and they both played well. So I think given yeah. the matchup, I'm not really afraid of starting Deontay Foreman this week. Yeah. Um, that's uh, is, my thought. Is that the game that Hubbard got injured in? Was that the game that Yeah, Hubbard late in that in? game, yes. He okay. played most I mean, of that fair, game. Then. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, I like Foreman. So, I do. It's just it's difficult to see that performance last week, which had a lot to do with just how the game went. But and then yeah. now the player that has been gone that's allowed him to completely take over is coming back. But I do like Foreman, and I do think he is legit given the chance. And, it's just about how much they're going to split them. 
Yeah, and this is one of those unique situations where we don't see it too often in the league where teams play each other consecutively uh, in a short period of time. Yeah. So uh, I think that's important to note still because sure. a lot really hasn't changed since week eight when you really yeah. look at it. Sure. Um, DJ Moore returned to early season form after putting up back-to-back wide receiver one finishes. Of course, one of those was at, uh, at Atlanta last time. Uh, Moore scored 27.5 fantasy points last time these teams played. Does Moore warrant flex consideration this week? Yeah, I think at the very least. It's a little surprising that he, you know, maybe, I guess they were just dominated so much that even playing from behind and passing <laughs> The will to more, fight back was, yeah. yeah. You'd think that would be a good game script for him. But I think, yeah, I think you have to trust in him a little bit. Obviously, since McCaffrey's been gone, he has been more reliable. They just got absolutely demolished last week. So, yeah, I think he's safely makes your starting lineup still. So here, here's something that I, and I think I, I should have mentioned this in my notes, but it's interesting to note that P.J. Walker was effectively benched coming into halftime for Baker Mayfield in this game against mm-hmm. Cincinnati last week. And so... You know, as far as I know, there hasn't been an announcement made on who's going to start this week. But if Baker is back in starting, uh, I think that kind of throws everything out the window in terms of these pass catchers, um, because we have seen enough from Baker uh, with these pass catchers to know that they're not really viable fantasy wise. So what are your thoughts on that? I want to I think that's fair, but I want to say I saw something that they're still rolling of PJ Walker yeah, two days ago it says expected to start, but yeah, it's it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it's official, and I think that that maybe would change your confidence level. Um, but I still feel like you have to feel good enough about DJ Moore just in this offense without McCaffrey. I think that's more important than Mayfield, in my opinion. But yeah, I think that's still fair yeah. analysis. No, and and it's you know again, DJ Moore is a player that has averaged at a minimum six targets every game he's played this year. So there is a somewhat you know somewhat decent floor there but it we've seen it it's been ugly at times this year this season so uh that's important to to pay attention to um on the flip side we have terrace marshall he scored 12 plus fantasy points in back-to-back weeks uh is he ready for flex consideration on his own Uh, i'll pat myself on the back because i mentioned him last week and then he got a touchdown which helped him get Mm. uh, that point total I think that since he got a touchdown that inflated his score, I wouldn't be rushing to put him in my lineup, but it, it could be a shootout again like it was just two weeks ago. So by that yeah. logic, it would be good, but I still would not feel confident. If we're having some uh, some fears about even playing DJ Moore, I don't know how Terrace Marshall obviously makes your lineup, but you should no, be picking him up. That's completely fair. And yeah, I would say uh, worth picking off of waivers and someone to monitor... Uh, excuse me. Depending on you know who's the quarterback moving forward, I think that's yeah. a, I think that's good. And in deeper leagues, maybe consideration there. I'm picking the Falcons. It's hard I'm to go with you. a team that hasn't even decided who they're starting at quarterback <laughs> yet. I'm going to join you on that one. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the Germany game: Seahawks at Buccaneers. Um, so with the Seattle Seahawks, Geno Smith put up QB one numbers last week for the first time since week five. That was nice to see. Um, any hesitation around starting Geno this week? No, I think he's a good bye week fill in, and maybe right. even more if you if maybe you got an injury at quarterback or someone that's underperforming. But he's been surprisingly consistent. Yeah, I mean he's the QB eight overall, so he's probably been your starter for most weeks. I would argue yeah. to say. Sure. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that there's really no reason. Obviously, the Buccaneers' defense has performed well generally throughout the season, 
but Gino's getting it done. He's got the weapons around him. I think he's going to be effective this week, um, like many others. Um, other lineup, uh, sorry, excuse me. Other lineup locks for Seattle include Ken Walker, which you know maybe offensive rookie of the year. We'll talk about that later. Sure. Uh, Ty- Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. <laughs> On to the Buccaneers. Uh, QB one numbers continue to elude Tom Brady as his last top ten performance also came in Week Five. Um, just gotta you know do a little bit of a congratulatory uh, <laughs> round of applause for Tom here. He has eclipsed a hundred thousand combined regular and postseason career passing yards. That is uh, the first of their first of his kind to do such a thing. I don't know uh, if that will ever be passed. It is an exceptional stat, and uh, I was listening to the broadcast um on that on that sunday game and they were saying that like for instance if uh if joe burrow was the one if he was continuing on the pace that he was on he would be 46 before he eclipsed 100,000 yards so it was yeah. just like it's, it's i mean it's it's unbelievable what he's been able to accomplish yeah, in his 23 year longevity career. yeah for yeah, sure yeah um that being said, the touchdown numbers continue to limit his otherwise stellar statistical campaign. Uh, Tom Brady has just one game this season with multiple touchdowns. That was week four against Kansas City. Um, is this the week that he breaks that streak? Maybe. Uh, why not? It seems ridiculous that he hasn't done it more than once. So why not? Yeah. All right. I like the optimism. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Leonard Fournette played 62% of the snaps last week, but again, only handled nine rushes for 19 yards. I think he's really being misused by the coaching staff there, um, but that's a different story. Um, On a positive note, he did catch five of seven targets for 41 yards. That's good to see in PPR. Uh, Fournette is third in receptions and fourth in targets among among all running backs. That's another uh, good statistic that's kind of keeping his RB1 value afloat this season. Um, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans both double-digit targets again. Uh, They continue to underwhelm, though, relative to the volume they're seeing on a weekly basis. Mike Evans seems banged up, occasionally limping after plays. If you're watching these games, I mean, you know, goes up for a ball doesn't doesn't bring it in and then starts limping back to the huddle so that's concerning um something's going on there that that's kind of lingering for him it seems um and then chris godwin has still only recently returned from his season-ending acl injury suffered less than a year ago um but I, I what i'm what i'm getting at here is with a weakened offensive line starting these players has been maddening at times um but should you continue starting these players in week 10 I still feel like at the very least they they have flex value. Like I feel like I completely very agree. Safe for I, them. They're just a touchdown away um, yep. from really from really being you know inside that top fifteen, like we know they can be. So yeah, for me it has been frustrating rostering uh, Chris Godwin in in multiple leagues, and um, he's just not quite there yet. And I think the touchdown number is a big part of it. But also just the uh, the low yardage totals that we're seeing, despite the high targets. Yeah, and just to go back to Fournette real quick, I feel like I read something that some reporters are speculating that Rashad White might start to take over the backfield, and I don't understand why. I maybe you, I don't you probably that. have a similar opinion, but that's yeah. been talked about like in and out all year, and it's so weird. I look at his stats, really... and I'm like, what what are they pulling that from? Yeah, I, I really don't buy that, and I think that. Like I said, I think they are mishandling the backfield situation. It seems like when you're watching the game that 
Uh, it doesn't feel like Fournette's playing 62% of the snaps, but maybe it's because when Fournette's out there, their drives last longer. Um, Rashad White does not seem like a big impact player on this team when he's there. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't really target him nearly as much as he does Fournette because he doesn't trust. I would assume because he doesn't trust him as much. That would make sense to me. Um, so, you know, I, that's it is it is a head scratching type of thing. Um, let's go ahead and pick this game, Carson. Who you got? Uh, I'll go Buccaneers. Okay. I hope Tom you're right. Tom Brady seems like he could be German. I'm just going to put that out there. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> just going to um, put that out there. <laughs> I'm picking the Seahawks in this one. I think that I think Buccaneers really need their bye week to, to really bounce back. I know that it was a uh, very exciting comeback from behind for the Bucks against the Rams last week. That does give them a little bit momentum coming into this game. Um, but I think they need their bye week to really get things right. And I'm picking the team that's just performed better so far this season, and that's the Seahawks. Fun fact, I've been to the stadium that they're going to play at in Germany. Fun fact True of the day. All right, All so right. let's move on to the Vikings, which surprisingly have a better record than their opponent, the Bills. Um, <laughs> Minnesota enters this game 7-1 and one with their only loss coming in Week 2 to the still undefeated Eagles. Biggest takeaway from Week 9 play for me was how Minnesota got their newly acquired player involved in TJ Hawkinson. He caught all nine of his targets for 70 yards. You'd love to see that in PPR. Um, do you expect Hawkinson to keep up this momentum and secure the number two pass-catching option ahead of Adam Thielen for the rest of the season? Honestly, yes. I, I feel like I, I'm not super big on Thielen personally. I feel like he's very TD-dependent. He gets a ton of touchdowns, as we highlighted last week over the past two seasons. But they obviously traded for Hawkinson because they want to make a deep run in the playoffs, and he's much younger than Thielen. Um, without even checking that, I'm sure it's a pretty big age gap. So I'm sure that they want to entrust their offense and their two young pass catchers in Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. So I do expect that to go uh, to continue going forward. Um, you're gonna about to read off Thielen's stat line, and maybe I'll share a little bit more about how I think about him. Yeah, you're you're not you're not wrong there. Uh, Thielen is seven years Hawkinson senior. So, yes, not, not, not too far off there. Um, yeah, for Thielen, he caught only three of his seven targets for 67 yards, which, you know, the seven targets number is something that he's pretty consistently been putting up this season. Um, multiple games of seven or more. Actually, only one game fewer than seven. So that's all good. Um, the problem is the touchdowns haven't been there, which keeps his ceiling a lot lower. Um, and... I would still argue, based on averaging seven targets a game, a little probably a little over seven targets a game, he is still flex worthy. Yeah, and I think that's fair, especially in a game that could be a shootout, a passing shootout between these two teams. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, that could be a good opportunity for him, and I, I think he can maybe be more efficient with that with those targets and get more than three catches out of those seven. And you think Case Keenum's gonna 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 lead the shootout? Yeah, we'll talk about that. That might influence who I pick in this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say, though, lower expectations in general for all uh, Vikings, as Buffalo has only allowed one team to score more than 20 points in a game, and that was Miami in Week 6, where they scored wow. all of 21 points. So that they are a legitimate is... defense. Yes. Yes. Arguably the best in the league. Yeah. Arguably. Some, some might. I mean, based on, uh, based on fantasy scoring, no. But... Um, <laughs> That would be my New England Patriots. Just had to bring that up. <laughs> uh, let's let's go ahead and talk though about the Bills next. Um, 
Josh Allen logged his second consecutive multiple INT game back in week nine, resulting in what may be the biggest upset of the season. This is kind of just, you know, us reminiscing here. What do you think is a bigger upset between the Jets beating the Bills or the Colts, who didn't have a win at the time, beating the Chiefs back in week three? Probably the Bills. Uh, loss oh, because it's a divisional matchup and see that to, uh, that to me is the reason why it's not a bigger upset because divisional games are always different than just sure. independent games but yeah to me I was shocked when the Colts beat the Chiefs when they were I still one and one at the time it just seems flukier which I think hurts the effectiveness of an upset because I think people were thinking hey maybe the Colts are having a bad start of the season and now they're picking it up um, but mm-hmm. in reality that was just kind of a fluky win for them so I think that kind of diminish, oh, yeah, totally. diminishes the shock value and to then. be completely honest I think the Jets win was equally fluky uh, both games finished 17 to 20 but if you watch that game I know my Bills fans out there are going to be screaming yeah uh, Gabe Davis was interfered with on that final pass um did you happen to see that, Carson? No, I didn't. Well, uh, Josh Allen previously, uh, prior to that play, uh, that was when he suffered that UCL injury on his throwing arm, which is a ligament in your elbow. Yeah. Um, but he launched that thing, just like, just absolutely launched it. Gabe Davis was down the field, and uh, the rookie, Sauce Gardner, was playing like he played back in college, where you can kind of defend the pass differently. Um, I would really argue that that should have been PI. This is coming from a Patriots fan, so don't get you know don't get all up in arms like, hey, you're a homer. It's nothing like that. It's really just I think that they missed a call there, and I think that that was uh, what ultimately decided the game, which is unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Um, but on that same topic, Gabe Davis has had his fourth game of under seven fantasy points this season. His ceiling is among the best in the NFL. There's no arguing that. Um, but his floor is equally brutal. Five yeah. or more targets in all but one game, three or fewer receptions in all but one game. Those are not good numbers um, in terms of the uh, discrepancy between them. Should Davis be viewed less as a lineup lock flex option and more as a desperation flex consideration? I think certainly in the event that Josh Allen doesn't play this week, but I am kind of a Gabe Davis hater. So you're <laughs> never going to get me to say that he should be a lock in your lineup, but... Um, I think you can only definitively make that argument if Josh Allen's out. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're picking this game now, and I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the privilege go of going first. You're going Vikings. The privilege. <sighs> yeah. You know, as much as I hate this, I feel like I honestly almost feel like even if. Even if Josh Allen doesn't play, I still think the Bills could get it done. So I'm picking the Bills just based on their defense. Well, I mean, that's fair. They're, they're, Josh Allen doesn't hurt their defense. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. So let's move on. Next one is Lions and Bears. Oh, my. That is a divisional game. Uh, Detroit managed to find its second win on the season versus Green Bay last week, yet no fantasy player is really impressed in the win. Uh, Jamal Williams enjoyed his revenge game, rushing 24 times for 81 yards and converting a two-point play. Uh, you like to see that. DeAndre Swift played just 16, 16, 1-6% of the snaps, logging five, count them, five total touches. 
Uh, despite this, he still managed to score eight fantasy points, which is impressive. Um, Chicago is among the league worst at, re- at defending running backs, so while the matchup is enticing, the usage we're seeing from Swift is anything but. Um, I would say monitor his status. How are you feeling about Swift coming into this game? It's annoying. For someone that had Ezekiel Elliott last season, if players are injured, please just make them inactive. Please. Mm-hmm. Because you feel like you have to play him when you see healthy next to his name. Well, or at least active, you know? Sure. Because yeah. <clears throat> he is coming into most of these games questionable and yeah. ultimately getting the nod and then being held back by the coaching staff, which is understandable because they have asset, they have those assets that they need to protect um, for future seasons. I mean, these are, these are franchise, face-of-the-franchise-type players. So <clears throat> while I understand the rationale behind, you know, a limited workload for these players... I think it makes it really difficult for fantasy managers. Um, the matchup is very enticing, uh, but we're going to have to monitor the situation because unless we get indication that Swift is going to be returned back to a normal workload, I, you can't really, I don't think yeah. you can justify the risk of another five touch game. Like it's just, that will crush you if you start yeah. that. Um Similarly, you know, similar situation. Amon Ross St. Brown caught four of nine targets for 55 yards. Nothing special in this game, uh, but 19 targets in two games since returning from injury. Is he still a must start? Yeah, I think he is. I mean, they they felt good enough to trade away Hawkinson. So you have to entrust that he is going to be the focal point of this passing offense. You know, sometimes that can be inconsistent with Jared Goff at quarterback, but I don't think you can bench St. Brown. That's just my opinion on it. No, and I and I think that's completely fair, especially when you think about that targets, um, that amount of targets that he's getting and that yeah. target share that he demands in that offense. No more TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift being less involved means more targets available for St. Brown. So, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, St. Brown should be played still. Yeah. Um, moving on to the Bears in this one. Uh, Justin Fields led the NFL in rushing yards with 178 in Week 9, which aided him in posting his first overall QB1 performance of his young career. That's exciting to see. Um, He now finds himself in another smash spot taking on the Lions, uh, who besides last week against Aaron Rodgers has struggled to stop opposing offenses, allowing 27 points per game on average. And that's uh, real NFL points, not to the position of quarterback. Yeah. I think that he is the perfect bye week fill in this week, mm-hmm. uh, although he probably was already picked up. Maybe not, though. I think that maybe temporary. Yeah, he's rostered in about 80% of leagues, so more likely think, than not. Yes. I think your expectations need to be uh, kind of kept in check a little bit. There, now Justin Fields is being looked at at his ceiling after that performance, but it mm-hmm. is a good matchup against Detroit. But like I said, perfect for a bye week fill-in and if you know your normal starter has been kind of inconsistent maybe go for it might be a little bold though but definitely should be on rosters if he's not but as you said he is on rosters in the vast majority of leagues so there you go yeah most definitely um both chicago running backs were underwhelming in week nine as fields stole the show um are either montgomery or herbert worth starting against detroit this week why did you put por qué no los dos? <laughs> you know what <laughs> because, that means, right? Yes, why not both? Which might right. be fair. Which might be fair. Uh, we've talked about this backfield and compared it a lot to the Cowboys, as we like to do, um, for mm-hmm. whatever reason. 
But, uh, yeah, it should be a good day for this offense, this this rushing offense. So, yeah, yeah. I think they, they both probably can safely make your lineup. Por que no los dos? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, yes, I think if you have I think if you have Khalil Herbert or David Montgomery, and the one situation where I would avoid it is if you have both. If you roster yeah. both, you need to pick one and, and just live with it. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't recommend starting both. Um, but if you independently roster one yes. or the other, I think that they're both safe or at least reasonable flex plays. If you had both, you, I assume you're picking Montgomery, right? <sighs> That's an interesting question. I think, to be completely honest with you, Herbert has looked like the better running back this season. Um, he's certainly the more explosive, and this is exactly why we compare them to the to the Cowboys backfield because Pollard looks like the more explosive back of the two there. Um, I think when Montgomery's healthy, he probably has more goal line opportunities than Herbert. Um, And so that limits, you know, if you want to roll with Herbert, like if you, like, you you know, the example you are saying, if you do roster both, you have to pick one. Um, I think it, I think you probably go with the guy who's the quote unquote starter. Yeah. um, Just based on those goal line opportunities that may be there. Yeah. It, do you have anything to add? It is similar. Like, it's bold to play Pollard over Zeke when they're both healthy, just because of mm-hmm. how their teams obviously view them, uh, yeah, despite yeah. maybe more efficiency for the backup. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's fair. Um, with Darnell Mooney, he put up his third double-digit fantasy week in four games. That's good to see. Uh, seven on eight targets for 43 yards of a touchdown. Uh, the matchup is great. Is Mooney a flex consideration this week? We keep on saying maybe. Why not against <laughs> against uh, this defense? And like, would you start him in your flex? Week? Would you start? I him would say probably not league? because he's still no. Uh, he barely got over double digits without the touchdown. So, and now talk about Claypool. Maybe maybe his usage will change my mind on Mooney. But that's just another mouth defeat in my eyes in the passing okay, game that so... doesn't feed a lot of mouths. <laughs> okay. So Chase Claypool saw six targets in his first game with Chicago, which is somewhat promising. Um, I think if you're absolutely desperate, you can flex Claypool against Detroit, but otherwise keep him on your bench until he gets more familiar or involved in the offense. Um, He only played 35% of the snaps in Week 9. That's kind of why I'm coming at the perspective of Darnell Mooney probably should be a flex consideration because he's playing a high percentage of snaps and it is such a great matchup. Um, you know, I, I think that that's not an unreasonable uh No, I definitely there. wouldn't say it's unreasonable. Um, I'm just saying that maybe still a little skeptical. I'm trying to look up Fields' passing numbers real quick because we know how great his rushing day. Like, his passing numbers weren't any better than any other game. He just threw more touchdowns, uh, season-high yes. passing touchdowns. Yes, he was more efficient with his throws, um, did have his season-high of 28 attempts 17 completions yeah. which matches his season high yeah. um but that's what i mean it's like it's hard yards. to be like oh yeah obviously mooney makes your starting lineup but i get where you're matchup. coming from i get where you're coming from but i think given the matchup um and just the way that justin field seems to be uh kind of hitting his stride we'll say um i think that mooney is viable as a flex and i think claypool if you absolutely are desperate 
uh, based on the targets that we saw from him in his first game with them, that you know that's an indication that they're looking to use him. And so, with more snaps played, I think that there's more opportunities for Claypool, obviously. Um, but if you can avoid it, keep him on your bench. I'm I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Uh, let's let's move on to the last pass catcher we'll talk about, and that's Cole Komet. He has scored three combined touchdowns in his last two games. Averaging four targets per game, three and a half receptions per game, and 26 yards per game in that span, uh, Komet failed to score any touchdowns in 2021 despite playing every game that season. Is this news or noise to you? Noise for all of my previous reasons. I don't. I mean, even think I well, need... and I think uh, me mentioning all of his averages in that two-game span is important because uh, three and a half catches, 26 yards. That's not great. Um, if he doesn't no. score those touchdowns, it's pretty much just like any other tight end not named Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, blah, 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 blah. So, He's rostered in 42% of leagues in Sleeper. Maybe worth a pickup because it seems like this team may may have found its identity, but I still don't think it's through passing. <laughs> so that's why. No, it, it, it most certainly isn't. I mean, uh, uh, Justin Fields has one game over 200 passing yards this season. So... There's not a lot to go around. It's really all about catches and touchdowns. So he's got he's got more games than Brady with more than one passing touchdown though. Okay, buddy. Okay. All right. All right. That's so you want to pick weird. this game? I think the Bears just because I do feel like maybe they found their identity and I'd yeah, like I'm, yeah, I'm going to join you like on that say. one. I like the Bears in this one. I think the Lions got got away with one um against another division game there um but you know bears at home they're they seem to be figuring everything out and it's a lot tougher to defend a really effective running quarterback versus a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who can't seem to do anything yeah um, let's move maybe, on maybe Fields can keep up the efficiency which would make him a dual threat which is why he was drafted to be their starting quarterback yeah um all right so let's move on to Jags Jaguars at the Chiefs. Um, this one, Trevor Lawrence is a serviceable bye week fill-in. If you're missing Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow, I don't think you're missing uh, Bailey Zappi slash Mac Jones. Or if you're starting Zach Wilson, you're drunk. Um, but uh, Lawrence has not finished inside the top 10 at the position since week 7. Uh, but he's likely going to need to throw in order to keep up with Patrick Mahomes, who threw the ball, get this, 68 times last week. Um, Lawrence is also coming off a career-high 53-yard rushing performance, so that could help his floor if Jacksonville decides to give him some more designed runs. Um, He certainly has the capability to scoot, and that's helpful. Um, Travis Etienne is finally beginning to look like the guy we hoped he could be when we drafted him. Um, I know you're excited about that as someone who drafted him. I drafted him in a different league as well, so I'm feeling it with you. Um, The weird part is that Etienne was a very reliable pass catcher in college uh, in his time there with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Yeah, Jacksonville continues to use him like he's Derrick Henry, uh, rushing the ball (laughs) 24-plus times with very few targets in the passing game. It's, it's It's a perplexing situation, to say the least. In spite of this, he hasn't finished worse than RB8 since taking over as the lead back, so you love to see that. Yeah, uh, this is not how I expected him to break out with the way they're using him, but I can't complain one bit. Yeah, no, he he's looking like, you know, probably second only to, in, current, in terms of active running backs, uh, he's probably only really behind Nick Chubb in terms of efficiency. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> very exciting there. Talking about the pass catchers for a bit... 
Christian Kirk has worked his way back into flex plus consideration uh, and has favorable matchups in each of his next four games. Maybe a maybe a trade target uh, to finish yeah. the fantasy regular season at Kansas City and then a bye week in week 11 uh, and then home to Baltimore and then on the road for both Detroit and Tennessee. I think Evan, that's fair. Uh, sorry, I just I want no, to okay. say with this in conjunction with expecting Trevor Lawrence to have to pass the ball more to keep up with the Chiefs, and we know how each of them looked at the beginning of the season the first three weeks when they were doing that. Um, you do worry about this just being ETN's offense, but I still think it's versatile enough to where it won't just be like a Derrick Henry situation where they put all their eggs in one basket. I think they are um, more versatile and willing to spread the ball around to all their players, um, yeah. at least I hope for whoever owns other players uh, in your fantasy leagues. Sure. Uh, Evan Ingram left the game early in Week 9 with a back injury, leaving him questionable for Week 10. Monitored his status as he has been a borderline tight end one over the past month. Um, I think, you know, he was a player that we talked about being someone that you would prefer potentially over Kyle Pitts. And, (laughs) of course, if you chose that option last week, we were ultimately wrong, but it was due to injury. Um, Yeah. So monitor his availability. Um, as I've said, it's kind of a difficult week for, you know, other teams are going to be looking to replace their tight ends. So uh, monitor that one for sure. Moving on to the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 68 times, as I mentioned. Uh, so close. And uh, the running backs <laughs> I... are all usable as the, <laughs> sorry, the running backs are all unusable as far as I'm concerned. McKinnon played 62% of the snaps, uh, but that was largely due to Kansas City playing from behind for most of this game. Um, and it, it, that's an unpredictable trend given Kansas City's track record. Uh, Pacheco, the supposed starter as of Week 7, played 22% of the snaps and led the committee in carries with 5 and tied CEH for rushing yards with 5. Uh, CEH played 17% of the snaps. His usage has decreased in four consecutive games. I think I think CEH is droppable, honestly. I think all, <laughs> I, I don't think any of these I don't think any of these running backs warrant being rostered. Do you disagree? No. Because we've never liked CEH's usage, even when he was fantasy relevant this season. So there you uh, go. We were no. I mean, you're absolutely right. We were pounding the table for you to sell high on him, and yeah. hopefully you did because he he's borderline unusable. And I think it's not. Yeah. It's honestly not even borderline. Like 17 percent <sighs> of the snaps, single digit points in like uh, what four straight games? Let me let me double check that real quick. Uh, it's Clyde. bad. It's bad. And I don't understand, like, this. is it just symbolism yeah, for <laughs> say Pacheco is the starter? I mean, I guess he is getting technically <laughs> more snaps, but then CEH yeah. is. The whole, the whole situation's a mess. Um, it's a three-headed monster, and none of them are all that good um, with the touches that they're giving, that they're given. So, yeah, it's, it's a lose, lose, lose. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some win-wins, though, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey. They are lineup locks moving forward uh, you knew that about kelsey but juju's really come on as of late um and carson i, I gotta put you on the spot here you've been quoted as saying you'd never touch a hard man but is Miko hardman's usage in this offense changing your mind honestly no um i think he's worth picking up as i think you did in our main league but mm-hmm. mahomes threw the ball 68 times so i'm still not convinced that that stat line is reliable for him I mean that's perfectly that's perfectly fair. It was actually um, 
a different a different league that I picked him up in, but that's okay. Oh, fair. Um, right. <clears throat> nine targets, he caught six of them, 79 yards and a touchdown on 54% of the snaps. And to me, that is the number that really stands out because 54% of the snaps, there were a lot of opportunities, as you said, uh, that Mahomes was throwing out there. And to only be on about half of them, uh, it's not really too desirable. Um Similarly, Kadarius Tony played on just 9% of the snaps, but on the few plays he saw on the field, he looked like a player who could definitely find a role on this team. Um, he did. He was targeted three times, caught two of them. Um, he remains a player to stash as his usage increases. Um, I, I think it's wide open in terms of who can take the number three pass catching role. It's Travis Kelsey, then Juju. It's certainly not going to be MVS. And yeah. sometimes I forget Sky Moore's even on the team. Yeah. Um, he was a complete whiff of a draft pick this year yep. um, for fantasy purposes, obviously. You know, the team has obviously still got a lot of time to figure out how they want to utilize him. But for fantasy purposes, uh, Sky Moore has been an absolute whiff. Yeah. Um, I feel like Kadarius yeah. Tony could pass uh, Hardman on the depth chart before Hardman becomes consistent. So Yeah, and I, and I think that's reasonable. Absolutely. Um, I'm picking the Don't Chiefs in this one. Ask why. Hey, There's something I love in it. me. I love There's... it. I love. I love getting easy wins against you. So <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move Come on. on. Come on. Carson, in case that wasn't clear, Carson picked the Jags to win. Yep. Um, all right, so let's move on. Browns at Dolphins in this next game. Uh, coming off of uh, the Cleveland Browns have Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper as lineup locks. Uh, no arguing that. Amari Cooper is, I believe, the wide receiver eight, um, which was super unexpected coming into this season. Uh, let me just pull him up really quickly. He's someone I okay, never wanted dropped. to draft at his ADP. Okay, so he has dropped to wide receiver 12 after his bye week. That's understandable. But going into the bye, he was wide receiver eight. I'm positive on that. Yeah, um, yeah that's ex- that's extremely unexpected. We, we definitely did not uh, speak highly of him in preseason and I think part of it was, you know, the question marks behind the quarterback situation on this team. And with Deshaun Watson coming back uh, in week 13, um, there are some question marks there, to be fair. I mean, he hasn't played football in two years. And I'll, I can't see it being worse than um, than Jacoby Brissett. Uh, but the team has already announced that once Deshaun Watson is available, and why wouldn't they do this with how much they're paying him? Um, but they have announced that once he is available, he will be the starter. So, won't that be uh, against the Texans? I want to say that's what it was. It is. It is. Yes. That's funny. Yes, it all works out. Um, yep. So yeah, with that, I you know those are the guys. But Kareem Hunt was not traded prior to the deadline, as you probably know by now, uh, making him a touchdown-dependent flex. It's unfortunate. You know, we talked about it last week. We were hoping he would find his way onto a team where he could be the lead um, and really explode for you on your roster. But unfortunately, remains on the Browns. Um, His contract expires this offseason. And so I I would expect him to to re-sign with a different team. Um, But that's just me. Yeah, maybe the Falcons. I'm just kidding. That's a weird, yeah. <laughs> well, now Kevin Ridley's not there, so my dream a... bounce-back season is already dismantling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, monitor David Njoku's ankle status for this week. 
he is hopeful to play after missing week eight. Um, it's kind of a quick turnaround considering the injury, um, but that is something to monitor. He was very effective, you know, a pretty consistent double-digit performer uh, while healthy, so monitor that. I think he could be a league winner of Deshaun Watson. I'm just throwing that out there. In Joku? Maybe. What do you mean, maybe? You can't just make a claim like that and then follow it up with a maybe. <laughs> I mean, he was like the tight end four before he got injured. And obviously this is more for leagues that play tight end. Now he's still the tight end nine after not playing week eight or nine. Um, yeah. And he honestly was kind of leading this offense... And he was like one of the most consistent pass catchers, more consistent than Mari Cooper a lot of the time. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There, okay, there was a portion of time where, and it was fairly recent, when Taysom Hill was tight end, what, four? Okay, so but this dude, this dude's at least let's had... Let's keep everything in perspective. Okay. That, that's, tight end that's is a wasteland. That's totally fair. Uh, okay, Njoku had 30 receptions between weeks three and seven. That's great for a tight end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I guess that's one. the end of it. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't, I don't agree with you, uh, but I think that he is. I think people will be happy to have him back on their roster. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, on to the Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle are all lineup locks. Jeff Wilson outperformed his old San Francisco teammate, splitting carries with Mostert nine to nine uh, for twice as many yards, fifty-one to twenty-six and caught all three of his targets for 21 yards and a score. Mostert also found the end zone through the ground in Week 9, so both backs were you know, relatively effective given the amount of touches they got. Uh, do you expect one of these running backs to pull away from the other and become the lead, or is this going to be a two-headed backfield moving forward? Uh, I traded away both these players to get Devontae Smith and uh, George Pickens last week, and I'm happy I did that, even though Devontae Smith did not pay off last Thursday and Pickens mm-hmm. hasn't played since I've acquired him. But right. I think that, and this wasn't even what I was expecting, but I was worried about this backfield because Mostert, a lot of his consistency was with Tua being inactive. And this is a passing offense, just it really is. So oh, yeah. to feel super confident in the backfield and then Jeff Wilson to come in his first week and outperform him, uh, yeah. I mean, Mostert had, so, let me just say before people pull it up, Mostert had a good week in week eight with Tua being there, but he had like a season high in receptions and I think a receiving touchdown. So I looked at that as kind of fluky. So there you go. Just putting that out there. Yeah, no, that, that's reasonable. Um, I would I would agree with you in the sense that I think it's more useful to have other managers kind of have that, that challenge to which running back should I pick this week? That yeah. that can be a really frustrating and complicated thing to work out. Um, so I, I think it was a good move on your part, despite how Devontae Smith performed last week, um, yeah. to kind of get out of that backfield, you know, sell your stock in that backfield. Um, yeah. Because I think, I think, like you do, that it will be more of a committee and less of a uh, a, a main back and an insurance back. That's that's yeah, my thoughts remind, on it. What's the ho- head coach's name again? Something McDaniel? Is that right? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I, I'm drawing a blank as well. I think whatever. Um... Ex offensive coordinator of the 49ers. Isn't that what he was yes. before? Yeah. Yes. And we love how they. We know how much they love that team. Loves having a committee approach. And these are two running backs that were on that team. So there you go. Together. I'm yeah, Mike sure. McDaniel. Mike McDaniel sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Daniel McDaniel. <clears throat> Exactly. 
Exactly. Um, <laughs> let's pick this game. I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I agree. I think okay. that... Who would have thought? But that division? What is it? AFC North East? East. East. Surprisingly might be one of the... I know a lot of people are going to say NFC, whatever one the Eagles is in. But I honestly think that this one is a sleeper pick for the best... Uh, for the best division in the league. No, that's completely fair. I mean, to be to be completely honest, every team has a winning record in the AFC East. The NFC East does not. The Washington Commanders are bringing that 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 division down. So, yeah. there's a there's an argument for it there. Um, and how about your vaunted AFC West? They stink. Yeah, um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, okay, next game: Texans at Giants. Coming into Thursday Night Football in Week 9, this was on the broadcast, uh, Houston claimed to just now be hitting their stride. How do you like that? <laughs> now 1-6-1, one, and one. one thing is obvious. Damian Pierce is the face of this franchise. He rushed the ball 27 times for 139 yards. Didn't, ha- didn't see a target. Didn't really, you know, it would have helped, obviously, but... Uh, Pierce is the only lineup lock on Houston. I You can't argue with that. Um... Brandon Cooks was a healthy inactive based on the coach's decision, uh, likely due in part to remarks made publicly by Cooks regarding his frustrations over not being traded at the deadline. Uh, Monitor his availability. I've heard that uh, they expect, uh, Levy Smith expects him to be back in the facility for this week, quote unquote, back on the team, in his words. And so he has been an ineffective. Uh, fantasy player so far this season cooks and I think that um, I mean you're not really rushing out to start him even if he is active I think that's kind of the situation there yeah. where he finds himself uh, a few a few things I think I'll work backwards with the Texans with how you've presented it I think that there's enough going against cooks to where you can bench him until he proves it to you again I think that's yeah. fair um, with Damian Pierce it is very unique that a player is getting so much more usage in their rookie season than they did in their entire college career. Uh, I know, you keep keep going back to that. Well, it's true. It's just weird. And also, the Texans kind of kept, it wasn't Houston, but they kind of kept that game somewhat competitive for a while against the Eagles. And I believe that was their first opening drive touchdown of the entire season. (laughs) Yeah, it was... So maybe um, they are hitting their stride. (laughs) It was a surprise. Yeah, it was it was just so bold to say that, um, but it was a very um, it was a surprisingly competitive game. I'll give them that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, moving on to the Giants, uh, Saquon Barkley has the privilege of playing Houston, the worst run defense in the NFL. This is an absolute smash spot for Barkley coming off of a bye, um, and I also expect Daniel Jones to bounce back from his poor performance at Seattle in Week Eight. Um, he might be a decent bye week fill-in. He is. That's my. That's who I chose. My bye week fill in for Lamar. I, oh uh, I'm stacking Daniel Jones and Saquon. Hopefully, they can <laughs> both eclipse 100 rushing yards or something against this defense. Yeah, <laughs> that's entirely possible. Yeah. yeah, I'm picking the Giants. I am too. I think that. Uh, I think Houston mm, haven't quite found their stride yet. Yeah, probably not. All right, I'll take over here and talk about Saints at Steelers. So, with the Saints, is it time for the Saints to start Jameis Winston again? Uh, Andy Dalton's Week 9 stat line was 19 for 29, 210 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception, and two carries for five rushing yards. 
I already know your opinion, but yeah, is it time to start James Winston again <laughs> for the Saints? Um, to be honest, I really don't know if it matters. I think what's more of an issue on this team is uh, that they're missing Michael Thomas. Yeah. And who's expected and- to miss the rest of the season? I didn't realize it was that serious for his toe injury. Yeah, I think he caught. I think he caught Aaron Rodgers' COVID toe or something because it's it's bad. Um, I saw yeah, I saw a meme. Sorry, that was like I keep on thinking of things to say. I saw a meme that was like Brian Robinson shot, missed four games. Michael yeah. Thomas toe. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of unfortunate. Um, I, I saw that as well, but I, I think yeah. I think that's really the big issue is that this team can't. Uh, they can't rely solely on the rookie Olave. I mean, he's, a, he's yeah. a, been a great player. There's no arguing that. Um, he's got some. I'm sure he'll get a few votes for offensive rookie of the year. But yeah, um, that does not on its own make an offense. And no. it's kind of the same situation that Houston's struggling with. To be honest, you know, they're also leaning heavily on a rookie, and not having enough weapons around your quarterback. I mean, obviously. Uh, Alvin Kamara is one of the best running backs in the NFL, but even he can't do it all for this team. And so I think, yeah. honestly, the quarterback situation is not all that important. Um, I don't honestly know why Andy Dalton got the start ahead of Winston once Winston was healthy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they are they're three and six. I don't think that they're really playing for anything and that they are in no. the wor- one of the worst divisions in the NFL. Uh, in the in the NFC South, but <clears throat> it's just uh, it's just not their year. And Michael Thomas being gone, he uh, he's counting the money, much like Russell Wilson. God, oh, yeah, to add that in, um, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Jarvis Landry hasn't played since Week Four. It's another thing we haven't mentioned. Just another injury on this yeah. team, of course. Uh, Alave has been extremely consistent, as we've alluded to, scoring double-digit fantasy points in every game except for Week One, and I think he scored like nine that week. So he's been super consistent. Yeah, he was close. Yeah. And Alvin Kamara, um, I expect him to bounce back against the Steelers. He's scored a few touchdowns in week eight and you expected that to maybe carry on going forward but it didn't against Mm -hmm. the Ravens defense but I expect him to bounce back and um I saw that his court date was announced for March 1st so that should mean that there's no chance he serves a suspension this season just a little added note there even though that seemed like that was already the direction it was trending yeah Um, I believe that's true yeah so you're starting Olave you're starting Kamara that's it really Mm-hmm. Moving on. Absolutely. Uh, Steelers, yeah. they were on by in week nine. Najee Harris, in my opinion, is one of the biggest busts of this fantasy season without getting injured. Um, mm-hmm. 14 touches in week eight, but six of those were receptions, which is at least good for PPR scoring. And Jalen Warren, the running back who we talked about a few weeks ago, had nine touches and more rushing yards than Najee. So he's being uh, outproduced. It's almost like a, the Cowboys' backfield. No, I'm not going to keep on pulling no, on that one. But, no, <laughs> um, It is interesting when these backups are more efficient on like what what should the offense do in that instance. Um, a lot of the I time, don't think it's they really, do nothing. Yeah, I don't think it's really that much of a uh, RB controversy, we'll call it, in, yeah. in Pittsburgh. Um, the thing about it is that, like, Pittsburgh is lacking an identity, and we talked about that a few weeks ago mm-hmm. um, with the departure of Ben Roethlisberger and the transition to Mitch Trubisky and a rookie quarterback. So I really don't think it's on Najee um, in terms of his production this season as much as it may feel reasonable to blame him. Um, yeah. 
it's just kind of the situation. It's like no one no one predicted that the departure of Ben Roethlisberger was going to have this big of an impact um, on this team, and it, and it truly has. Yeah, um, especially with him not playing that well last season, but obviously he was still um, kind of the backbone, I guess, to the identity of the team. And I think this team yeah. would be in a better spot if they just started Pickett week one. I really do believe that. Yeah, um, maybe so, but can he pick that's it? not the situation. Is throwing the ball at a high rate, but without much success as of yet. But like I said, maybe he would have found his stride by now if he had started more games. But like the Chase Texans, Claypool, right? Yeah, <laughs> just like the Texans. <laughs> Chase Claypool was traded away to the Bears, as we already talked about. So who do you expect to step up the most out of Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Pat Fryermuth? Or do you see this as just kind of an upgrade for all of them? I I do sort of. Um, I think of the like. If I had to pick two of the three, I think it's more likely that Pickens and Fryermuth uh, benefit more because Deontay Johnson is already getting double-digit targets every single yeah. week. Um, I think that Pickens being slotted up more as the wide receiver two and Fryermuth uh, also feeding off of that, uh, it's about 16% target share that Claypool is leaving behind. So that being split, you know, somewhat between those three but i think primarily between pickens and fryermuth i think is reasonable um and people will be happy to have fryermuth back in their lineups with this development i think um i won't go as far to say he's going to be a league winner but i think that um he's going to be a good option at tight end something that's positive about this offense is that they're very young just thinking about all these players sure deontay johnson is probably the oldest in the skill positions and he's i don't even think that much maybe 26 like he's not that old he, he just really he just signed his extension this off season this past off season so yeah, yeah. he's got to be i mean i think probably 26 um yeah. i'll look that up while you while you pick your team. i'm going Steelers. i don't know i just feel it feel it in my bones <laughs> all right i love how many we're picking different this week it's gonna yeah, be yeah we really are we really um, are deontay is 26 right on the money uh i know my guy <laughs> all right moving on to Broncos at Titans, two awesome offenses to talk for, oh, yeah. <laughs> for talking purposes. Um, all right, Broncos, we're on bye in week nine. So let's talk about the backfield because that's fun. In week eight, Melvin Gordon had 12 touches while playing 56% of snaps, whereas Latavius Murray had 15 touches while playing 44% of snaps. With the addition of Chase Edmonds, uh, basically over the bye week, to the backfield, mm-hmm. can you start any Broncos running back? No. Cool. Moving on. In weeks one through six, Jerry. No, I just no, completely it, agree. It, it, honestly. Well, yeah, and and I don't want to just breeze past that, but the the, the rationale is uh, nobody's doing a lot with the very few amount of opportunities they're getting. So it's a uh, it's a committee backfield. It's an ineffective backfield. I mean, just think about the the absence that this team is feeling with uh, with Javante Williams gone. Like that's yeah. that's bad, you know. Yeah. So, is. yeah, it that's is. um that's a big loss for them, and hopefully he's back uh, healthy for next season and can yeah. kind of take that role away. I think that I think Melvin Gordon, I'm assuming, is on a one year deal this season. So I think he is. Yeah. It may be an it may be an opportunity for, uh, for Williams to really have that second year boom uh, that he should have had this year next year. Yeah. I think that's fair. We'll see what happens with this backfield this week, but I feel like it's kind of going to be a wasteland all season. Mm -hmm. All right. 
In weeks one through six, Jerry Judy had 17 receptions, whereas in weeks seven and eight, he had 13 receptions, so getting them at a much higher rate. And inversely, in weeks one through six, Cortland Sutton had 31 receptions, whereas in weeks seven and eight, he had four receptions across those two games. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting to compare. And Greg Dolchich had 10 receptions across weeks seven and eight. So how do you value Broncos pass catchers? <laughs> I think the one that I like the most is honestly the tight end. Um, yeah. I think he's shown to be a fa- I mean he's been a double digit scorer every week that he's played this year which is exciting uh, for tight ends because you know prior to him being healthy uh, there was no usable like who even was the tight end on this team before that Albert uh, Oh right and we haven't seen him in weeks so nope. um, yeah that and he didn't do anything at all this year so uh, yeah. this is a promising development for the team uh, I, I I guess I would rank them in terms of who would I want on my team. It would be Dulcich and then Judy and then Sutton last because Sutton has completely disappeared, as you alluded to, in this offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jerry Judy, I'm not a huge fan of Jerry Judy, to be honest. We want, I mean, if you watched our preseason rankings, yeah. I had him a few spots lower than Sutton, um, which a lot of people were not doing coming into the season. A lot of people were like, oh, they're like they're, they're like the same player. It's like, no, not really. Um, <laughs> but 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 Sutton has disappeared, and I think the weirdest part is that uh, Russell Wilson used to be able to support two fantasy-relevant wide receivers, and now it seems like it's one or the other, and it's a big difference between the two. Well, yeah, this bye week was a really good opportunity for this re- for to reset this team and this offense. So just be ready. Watch out. All right? Okay. Watch out. Let's move on to the Titans. A lot of notes. Two of them. Um, Malik Willis got his second straight start for a total of 11 pass completions across those two games. Huh? Uh, <laughs> start yeah. Derek Henry. <laughs> There's nothing else. I saw Traylon Burks is off of IR, but, like, yeah. don't really well, care. And I don't... He hasn't been activated yet. That's the thing. Um, Are you sure? I think he, I think I said he was I expected know. to practice today. Maybe that was something I read this morning that's, that didn't pan out, but it seems like that is where he's... The direction he's trending. See, but that's not the same thing as, um, as playing. Or, sorry, okay. being eligible sure. to play. But that's my point. Could be making his return, but it literally does not matter. It yeah, doesn't. no, it doesn't. The, the, the thing is, like like you said, um, 11 pass completions across two games is completely unusable. That is that is radioactive territory in terms of PPR scoring. Uh, do not start any Titans wide receivers. Do not start any Titans tight ends. You start Derrick Henry, you smile, and you move on. I'm going Broncos. <laughs> this might be a week where I overtake you and you have a four-game lead. <laughs> I I'm I hope that that happens. <laughs> or um, my lead will be like ten. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next yeah, one. Move I'm on to Sunday the afternoon games. Colts at Raiders. Um, with the Colts, let me just read you the stat line of the player who led the Colts in fantasy points in Week Nine with six point eight fantasy points, three wow. rushes for thirteen yards, four receptions on five targets for fifteen receiving yards. Uh. That was practice squad member Jordan Wilkins, who I believe this was his first NFL game this season. I know he played, he at least played some minutes last season. Um, I do remember the name, but yeah, (laughs) 
not super. I don't think you need to remember the name going forward. The Colts no. lost 3-26 to to the Patriots, and now they have a new coach who I believe has zero head coaching experience. I none. believe I read that. Yeah, absolutely none. Jeff Saturday, former Colts center. Um, yeah, playing on he Sunday. He has never coached at the college level, never coached at the professional level, and I would venture to guess, since he's been an ESPN analyst, unless he has a kid, he's probably never coached at the peewee level. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh what's your confidence level in starting jonathan taylor assuming he's healthy and michael Pittman? Junior. uh it's very low for both players honestly no. um it really is and i know that i know you have a soft spot somewhere for i michael just feel Pittman. like i can't bench michael Pittman. uh let's let's take a look at what he's done i this mean will be fun yeah, let's let's reminisce. It's um, so last week, six targets, three catches, twenty-two yards. Ouch. Um, the week prior, nine targets, seven catches, fifty-three yards. I mean, that's not could, horrible. He's a low-end flex. He's a low-end flex. I mean, the, and that here's week the eight the was Raiders with Ellinger. Defense, the Raiders' defense is terrible. They're like one of the worst in the NFL. So, uh, at least by fantasy metrics, but. <clears throat> This is a two and six uh, Raiders team Go- coming home. I think that they're going to pull this one out um, against the Colts. I, the Colts really don't have a, an identity. They don't. They don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's not Jonathan Taylor, and the the change at quarterback was interesting to say the least. I feel bad for Frank Reich. Um, the change at quarterback, which is former head coach, in case you didn't know, um, yeah, the third Reich, but. Yeah, don't do that. Um, <laughs> we're going to get taken down. We say stuff like that. No. Um, the, the Colts are going in with... Uh, I, the, the, it's like a Ted Lasso situation. They're just <laughs> pulling a guy in and being like, hey, you're the coach now. Uh, it's just... Maybe they'll make up, a story If you haven't seen it. Ted Lasso, watch the show. It's a good show. Yeah, Season um, one's you, good. You season two, reference. not so great. Eh, that's your opinion. Raiders. That's my opinion. It was Devontae Adams' day. I capitalized it like it was a national holiday. As he saw 10 receptions on 17 targets and two what receiving touchdowns. <laughs> well, I just meet the capital <laughs> D in day. I he had a great game. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, And we kind of expected that to happen. Um, maybe not like that. And he almost got, it felt like he got all his points in the first half. Um, yeah, he had like 28 or maybe even over 30 by the time it was not even second quarter wasn't even done so mm-hmm. that was fun to go up against last week anyways yeah that Josh was Jacobs, his, um i just want to add that about. that was his first wide receiver one like overall wide receiver one performance since changing teams so that's cool yeah, um that's yeah, cool <laughs> sweet i mean you were starting him you were starting <laughs> yeah. him already so it's it what it, i think what it really comes down to is we, we talked about potentially buying low on adams after his uh difficult struggles where he had one catch for three yards um if you managed to pull that off kudos to you because you probably got a steal um but yeah i mean i advocated against selling him so uh, depending on which side of that argument you were on whatever you 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 heard from both sides yeah all right, Josh Jacobs seems to have reverted back to his early season form as he's still getting the touches, 20 in week 9. <clears throat> but without touchdowns, he's barely eclipsing 10 fantasy points. 
Jacob's three-game stretch of 30-plus fantasy points each game was thanks to Mm -hmm. six rushing touchdowns across that period of time. I think that's just that's something to <laughs> recognize. Can Jacobs go back to his yeah, league winner form though? Because that he well, was booming. Okay, so you're talking about an unsustainable stretch of performance. Yes. Like, despite the rushing touchdown amounts, he was still rushing for an average of over 140 yards per game, <laughs> and 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 catching passes. So it wasn't the yeah. it wasn't as though those touchdowns were inflating his totals to where oh without the touchdowns he wasn't even that great it was a good stretch of games that he had um it it's a very difficult rate to sustain as i've already mentioned um there's there's no doubt that you're starting him i just mean more like what's your rest of season value on him so i think what that comes down to is looking at his remaining schedule so indianapolis you like that matchup then at Denver, that's probably not going to be great. Then at Seattle and at the Chargers, or sorry, and then home to Chargers in Week 13. Those are both great matchups. Um, his fantasy playoffs are not fantastic. It's home to New England, at Pittsburgh, and home to the uh, 49ers. So yeah, it's not great. If anything, I mean, most most trade deadlines, I believe, in most leagues, the standard is Week 12. Um, and that's right when his schedule gets really good again. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sell Josh Jacobs realistically. Um, but you know, I, I would say lower expectations. Although this matchup is good, um, he's just not going to be the top three running back that he was in that three game stretch. I mean, you know that. And Houston. Houston was one of the opponents in that in that that stretch. So that that aids yeah. to it. But I mean, yeah. matchups are important. But. I think with running backs, you take what you get this season. Yeah, that's true. Um, which is really weird, because I feel like I've found myself in a place where I feel great about my running backs, and my pass catchers are just bleh, other than mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson on my team. So I feel like I've had the opposite experience of many people, but generally that is true. Um, we well, like this you were struggling so with you were struggling for a minute there when ETN was... Yeah, no, the, I mean the, now. I'm saying now. Right, you've you flipped. I, I understand. But Saquon was a great second round pick, and mm-hmm. ETN has become a great fourth round pick or whatever I got him. So mm-hmm. it has changed. And Ramondre Stevenson, the league winner. Um, all right. I thought that was Someone. David and Joko. Oh, him too, though. Yes, he's also going to oh, make yeah. it happen for me. Um, for sure. There you go. We're picking the Raiders, as yeah. we've already said. But yeah, and uh, ETN was a third round pick for you, by the way. Oh, third? Yeah, still mm-hmm. pretty good. We'll move on to Cowboys at Packers. Uh, the Cowboys were on by in week nine, and in week eight, Dak Prescott was... Uh, can I agree with you? <laughs> Cowboys. In week eight, Dak Prescott was 21 for 27 with two passing touchdowns and interception while also rushing for a touchdown. So it seems like he's back to you know great efficiency coming off of that injury. Um, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, and Michael Gallup all exceeded their season averages in scoring, which isn't saying a whole lot for Schultz and Gallup especially. But do you expect this trend to continue for Cowboys pass catchers going forward? You know what I find really interesting is that Noah Brown has just completely fallen yeah. off the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, and Michael Gallup has not been good like since he's returned. Um, Michael Gallup has not been great since he's returned. Honestly, I, I would avoid starting him if I could. Um, yeah. But for the other two, C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz, I'm, ha- I'm happy with their trajectory moving forward. Um, 
the trend that you're that you're suggesting. I mean, Schultz missed several games due to injury, um, and C.D. Lamb has been force-fed all year long. Rather, whether it was Cooper Rush or uh, Dak Prescott in Week One. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think those two players, Lamb and Schultz, are trending up, or at least plateauing back to early earlier season value. Um, Gallup is someone, like I mentioned, I, I'm not really not really looking to start so yeah i feel like i've seen the narrative that gallup isn't fully recovered from his acl injury that kept him out at the beginning of the season so maybe the bye week could have helped with that maybe um but i I do agree and i think just looking at the sleeper projection for schultz being 8.51 i think that's kind of insulting coming off of last week where he had six catches for 74 yards i mean that's just that's a patented dalton schultz floor that's honestly week eight yeah, they yeah by. sorry yeah week yeah, eight that's okay um but don't you think um yeah no i don't disagree um i think and going back with gallup i i would say you know acl is one of those things that is usually it takes one year removed from that acl injury to really uh be back to full health and i think that we're seeing that with players like chris godwin um, and I think we may, I, I feel like it's a little irresponsible to say that Javante Williams will have that boom next year. Um, when we do kind of know that that's the trend with that injury. Um, yeah. so I just wanted to put that out there because I think that that is a real thing. Um, we're seeing it right. We're seeing it this year with Saquon Barkley, especially. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the backfield. And I feel like I've already made this point, but just to reiterate, despite Tony mm-hmm. Pollard scoring three rushing touchdowns in the absence of Ezekiel Elliott, it seems like the Cowboys are more than willing to give the keys to the backfield back to Zeke. Yep. Fun. Back to how we view this backfield. Um, yay. I, uh, unless they're just lying to our face, but it seems like this seems no, realistic. Dr. J- Dr. Jerry Jones never lies. He has a doctorate. Remember, remember earlier in the year when he was talking about uh, Dak oh, Prescott's yes. injury? Yeah, yes. it's it's, it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, he better not have a doctorate. All right, move on to the Packers. <laughs> they lost That's nine weird to thing fifteen to, say. <laughs> to the he Lions not. in Week Nine. Packers okay. lost. They stink. Monitor Aaron Jones's ankle injury as him being inactive should make AJ Dillon a safe starter. I feel like yeah. that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, and I and. All signs indicate that Aaron Jones avoided a significant injury. Um, X-rays were negative. You know, left the game in a walking boot. Uh, but I think it was more of a precautionary move by Green Bay to hold him out of that game. Um, I right now expect him to play this week. So hold your hold your horses on AJ Dillon. They consider them held. Uh, okay. Romeo Dobbs is expected expected to miss four to six weeks due to his high ankle sprain. Ouchie. Christian Watson cleared the concussion protocol. Um, so apparently, yeah, there was speculation that he suffered a concussion in week nine. It seems like that wasn't really the case or that he just already cleared it very quickly. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's, uh, what are you basing that on? I don't know. I read a report that was like, oh no, he just got the wind knocked out of him. Like Matt LaFleur was just completely... Mm saying that he wasn't concussed it just okay. kind of looked well, like that regardless of that whether that's true uh you're not starting christian watson no and you're not and you're not starting christian watson against the cowboys so not uh, against the cowboys this is but more of like be, a he could more emerge of like a, where the next are they few now? weeks it, 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 he could emerge in the next few weeks in the absence of dobbs i'm just playing you really think season. so maybe not maybe who knows why not yeah someone well, you think would emerge actually, but now i think, we're more I think than the better question the 
Sorry, I don't mean to talk over Sorry. you, but I think the better question is why, not <laughs> not why not. Um, Alan Lazard is the only player that I'm trusting on this team outside of Aaron Jones, and uh, and that's <clears throat> that's reflective in the amount of receiving touchdowns that he's gotten this season. Yeah, he is producing a high floor uh, with the target share that he is commanding on this team. Uh, it seems like he's the only player that Aaron Rodgers really trusts uh, outside of Aaron Jones, of course. Um, yeah, he's the only pass catcher that I'm interested in starting. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Aaron Rodgers was dropped in our main league. You think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. It's crazy to think, but yes. Well, I don't disagree. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is, drumroll please, quarterback 16. That's actually not that bad, but um, it's a 10-team league. He doesn't need to be rostered. Yeah, and, you know, I saw that happen after I had picked up Daniel Jones, and I was like, ooh, do I pick up do I pick up Aaron Rodgers for Daniel Jones? No. Uh, not no. against, not I guess against the not. Cowboys. Yeah, not against isn't the Cowboys. that crazy? Who would have thought? Eh, not really. <laughs> Just going into the season, I mean. Yes, agreed, agreed. All right, we'll move on to Cardinals yeah, both picking the Cowboys, Rams. in case that wasn't clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cardinals at Rams. Uh, Kyle, whoa, Kyler <laughs> Kyle. Murray. <laughs> is quietly the QB6. Um, I thought that was kind of quiet. Dealing with a hamstring issue, monitoring <laughs> status. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how cheeky this is getting. Rondo Moore led the team in targets, receptions, and receiving yards, so you got to feel great about that if you have Rondo Moore on your team, um, mm-hmm. even though it had been Hopkins for the previous weeks, but obviously Moore is proving himself as being a staple in this team, uh, especially in the absence of Hollywood Brown, but... Yeah, yeah, he, he's going to be involved, I think, no matter what, which is reassuring. A receiving touchdown each helped uh, helped both DeAndre Hopkins and Zach Ertz have productive days. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, surprisingly, like I said, kind of dropped off a little bit by his standards that he had set in Week 7 and Week 8, but still, obviously, you're starting him. And Ertz is the tight end three. I thought that was another little fun fact. Um, James Conner made his return from injury, playing 71% of snaps and getting 12 touches. Fortunately for him, five of those touches were receptions, so I think you have to assume that he's low-end RB2, a flex. He'll make your lineup. I mean, he's back and he's playing. That's a a high snap count. Not a lot of touches. He'll make your lineup. Yeah. Yeah, surprisingly low amount of touches, even though he's out there a lot, but I expect the touches to go up. Um, Moving on to the Rams. Oh, God. Um, 127 of Matthew Stafford's whopping 165 passing yards went to Cooper Cup. Wow. Allen Robinson had three receptions on five targets. Yippee. While Tyler Higby had zero receptions on one target. He's completely fallen off, Tyler Higby. Yeah, he's droppable. I, he I dropped him in my, in my ESPN league, and um, I could have just effectively played Dalton Schultz in that league because he got the same amount of points. It was very frustrating to watch. On by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, Daryl Henderson. Stop at the backfield. Daryl Henderson played 49% of snaps. Malcolm Brown played 28% of snaps. And Cam Akers played 19% of snaps. All for a grand total of 68 combined rushing yards. Wow. And then I said this right here, and you think this is funny, but this offense might rival the Broncos offense for most fun team to talk about in these episodes. That was very fun. You're starting Cooper Cup, and yeah. maybe nobody else. Maybe. Oh, it's not a maybe. I think it's definite. You're not starting anyone besides Cooper Cup. Um, Matthew Stafford, even with four teams on a bye, is probably not viable. To and I saw that in he's one. in the in the concussion protocol at the moment. So. Yeah. So uh, I 
actually don't know off the top of my head who the backup is. Let me figure that out. Maybe um, he can relearn how to run this offense. John Wolford? Oh, yeah. Of... Well, never even heard of this guy. Sorry, Oh, yeah, look John. at him. Okay, well... I, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, honestly, even if he doesn't play, you're still starting Cooper Cup, so don't get cute. Um, he, he played... John Wolford uh, played three games last season for a grand total of negative 1.9 fantasy points. Okay, well, there's no reason to put the man on blast. He may not even play this week. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, I guess I'll pick the Cardinals. Okay. I'm going to pick the Rams. Which, uh, this is probably... Is this a rematch for these two teams already? It probably is. They have. They have. Um, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Week three. Yeah. That helps. I clicked on the wrong person. I'm I'm, I'm going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Week three, the Rams... Won twenty to twelve in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. So in Arizona, I think with the Rams being home, I think they get this one done. Oh, we're differing. Another one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Fine. Be that way. All right. Sunday night football. <laughs> Chargers at Forty Niners. Um, for the Chargers, Austin Eckler is the RB one with ten total touchdowns on the season. We expected that to negatively regress, but here we are. Um, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were both inactive in week nine. This allowed Joshua Palmer to see eight receptions for 106 receiving yards on 10 targets. I feel like you'll agree. He's a lineup lock if these both, both of these wide receivers are injured and probably even if at least one of them, which almost is a certainty for Mike Williams. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Um, the matchup is difficult, but, um, Given that volume, he's a great value. Um, I enjoyed having him on my DFS lineup last week, so uh, won me some money there. That was nice. Um, yeah, Josh Palmer, he's getting the looks um, in Allen and Williams' absence, and that's valuable in fantasy. Yeah, and I think with the matchup, DeAndre Carter and Gerald Everett probably aren't worth starting. Maybe Everett, if you're desperate for a tight end in a league where maybe your main tight ends on by but he hasn't really taken advantage of the absence of the two star wide receivers kind of surprisingly i guess yeah i mean i would say i mean he he got he saw eight targets caught five of them not many yards last week but i think he's still startable um sure. I, I wouldn't shy away from him if i if i rostered him yeah i forget how low the bar is for tight ends um <laughs> yeah well, yeah fun Keenan Allen is mm-hmm. described as being, quote, close to turning the corner and will not be placed on IR. <laughs> and going where? <laughs> uh, back to the locker room, I guess. To, yeah. Uh, uh, he, he's been quoted as saying that he's not going to play until he's 100% healthy. I think this is a situation that continues to linger more likely than not. Um, I think we're, I wouldn't say we're farther from him playing than we were earlier in the year because that would be absurd but um i don't think this is the week that he comes back honestly i don't even know why they played him the week before their bye why that was in week <laughs> a week eight bye maybe something like that uh, they had a week eight bye yep uh, weird uh and the mike williams will likely be out for another two weeks um it seems like the most recent report report was two weeks ago that said a month so that's where i'm pulling that from uh it doesn't seem like there's any chance he plays this week 
based off current reports. Uh, let's move on mm-hmm. to the 49ers, who are yep. both picking to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were on bye in week nine. Christian McCaffrey boomed in week eight. Debo Samuel was inactive in week eight, so it's still unclear mm-hmm. what this offense will look like with a fully integrated CMC and a fully healthy Debo. So yeah. it'll be fun to see that. Well, and Brandon, and I think, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that, honestly, we shouldn't be worried about either of these players no. uh, eating into the value of the other. Um, they're playing different roles, and I think that's much to Debo's benefit, and uh, I think he appreciates that. Um, You know, there was a lot of controversy over the offseason about him not wanting to play running back. So uh, this is good for all aspects of the offense. And uh, like you have here, Brandon Ayuk benefited in the the game where Debo was absent. But even when Debo was playing, Brandon Ayuk has been playing well with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He has. He had six receptions and a receiving touchdown in week uh, eight, while George Kittle had three receptions and a receiving touchdown in week eight as well. So not a lot of receptions for Kittle, but I feel like you got to feel pretty good about starting him because it seems like this offense is just good. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Christian McCaffrey and Debo might be the two most versatile players in the league. Um, only behind Oh, Taysom you're forgetting Hill, Taysom Hill. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I was literally setting up that joke, and you... you that's funny. Um, yep. That is interesting, though. Like, McCaffrey literally can play as a wide receiver, even a quarterback, as we saw in Week 8. But he can literally play as a wide receiver, and Debo can literally play as a running back. That, that that makes this offense, I feel like, very hard to plan against. And I think that they... A sneaky Super Bowl contender, honestly. This offense mm-hmm. is scary. This defense is scary. I'm just putting you it out there. You think Garoppolo can get it done? I don't know. I wish Lance... Not that Lance could really carry a team, but just with his potential, I wish that he could be there right now. Um, yeah. Fortunately, he's not dead with the way I'm kind of speaking about him. And hopefully <laughs> Jeez, next season yeah. he will he will uh, take over. This will be a great offense. All right. Yeah. 49ers for the win. All right, moving on to Monday Night Football. Divisional matchup, Commanders at Eagles. Uh, biggest spread, I believe. Eagles are a 10.5-point favorite. Uh, You're going to pick the Commanders, you. right? Oh. No, this is not where I'll differ. I've already this is not enough. the week where the Eagles lose their streak? No, and it's. I think their next four games are all against teams that currently have a losing record, uh, this being one of them. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I thought it was fluky that they would be looking at be looked at as the best team in the league because of their undefeated record, but hey, they're just continuously getting it done. They are. But let's talk yeah, about the Commanders. T- Tennessee so. has a just to well just to fact check you. Tennessee does have a winning record in week thirteen. Uh, oh, that's their okay. fourth. So that that, that stat was from going into. But maybe uh, maybe I by the time was, they play, they will have a losing record. Yeah, I, don't know. I think I saw that stat <laughs> Thursday night after they beat the Texans. So yeah, that's just barely switched. All right, with the Commanders, Curtis Samuel had four touches, but a long receiving touchdown helped his fantasy day. Uh, do you feel like he's at least? flex worthy it's difficult it's difficult with curtis samuel i feel it is he's been inconsistent since heineke got there um four targets in consecutive games that's a little concerning um but a double digit score in his last three games so i think he is flex worthy um it's just a matter of how lucky you feel uh one of those games (laughs) was elevated by a touchdown uh but yeah with with curtis samuel you don't feel good about it, but I think you can flex him. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back because 
it's the Eagles' defense, and they have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. That's true. If I can avoid it, I'm not starting Curtis Samuel. Yeah, it just that's it, my take. He has a very low ceiling and a pretty high, a very high ceiling, honestly, and a very low floor. Mm-hmm. Big range of outcomes for Mr. Samuel. Uh, Terry McLaurin still seems to be Taylor Heineke's Devo's long lost brother. <laughs> yes, Terry McLaurin still seems to be Taylor Heineke's favorite target, but Heineke only had 15 pass completions. Um, but I think you still feel good enough starting McLaurin. Uh, JD McKissick was inactive with a neck injury in week nine, which you might be like, who cares? But I'm kind of coaxing in a little narrative here. Yeah. Sorry, JD. Uh, but this resulted (laughs) in a split backfield between Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, who both saw double digit carries without eclipsing 50, 50 rushing yards respectively. Mm -hmm. Um, I already know what you think about this, but just to put it out there in case it happens. And if it doesn't, we can disregard this. Could Antonio Uh, Gibson be a sneaky play against the Eagles, especially if McKissick is inactive again, as the commanders will most likely be trailing the Eagles throughout the game. Yeah. Um, the only, commander i'm comfortable starting is terry mclaurin so i don't like the way that gibson's been getting his points in fantasy lately um it's it's felt reminiscent of early season ceh uh, (laughs) to me and that just makes me uncomfortable and with brian robinson uh he has no value in ppr he is a touchdown dependent flex running back, and this is a terrible matchup. So uh, avoid starting them if you can. That's my I just thought. wonder if there's a reality where they start playing Antonio Gibson almost as a wide receiver, just because that's what he played in college. I'm dead. It's just something back. Well, in the you, mind. you gotta you gotta think at some point, unless he's got the same issue that Keenan Allen does, that Jahan Dotson's gonna come back at some point. Yeah, those hamstrings can be brutal. Apparently, yeah, they certainly can. All right, let's move on to the Eagles. Jalen Hurts has been extremely efficient, throwing eight passing touchdowns in his past three games with a high of 21 pass completions in any of those games. People talking about him as an MVP candidate at first, I was very skeptical, but now it's like he just wins games and he gets it done whichever way he needs to. So there you go. I mean, I'm becoming more of a Jalen Hurts believer as far as someone that could lead a team to a Super Bowl. I really am. Um, Mm -hmm. Just knows how to win games. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of their success is equal parts Jalen Hurts being taking that next step as a as an NFL quarterback, as well as their defense. They just have a really solid uh, defensive squad, and you know that's been bolstered by the recent uh, acquisition of Robert Quinn. So I yeah. think that that's you know it's an upgrade there. So they're yeah, certainly the making that push. Is great for sure. I just feel like. Uh, even though he didn't show it this week, I do think that the addition of A.J. Brown has uh, added an X factor to this team that they never really had in that uh, realm of like the passing game. And it makes them com- very versatile, and that's what I've said in previous weeks, and I think that is what makes them so hard to go up against. I guess kind of like mm-hmm. the 49ers offense a little bit. Um, that's one similarity, just because they, this is a team that can just completely run it down the entire game or aj brown catches three passing touchdowns in the game like it, it right. both can happen it is interesting. certainly a versatile offense yeah uh miles sanders and kenneth gainwell both had a rushing touchdown but sanders also rushed for almost 100 yards proving to be proving us wrong we value thank pretty you low. houston whoa yes whoa, that's okay true. i was gonna say for that given week we said yeah play no, him because i mean going houston into the, the worst going into yeah. the season 
No, that's true. Um, I mean, to be fair, no one expected, uh, other than maybe the most uh, delusional Eagles fans out there, no one thought that that Philadelphia was going to be undefeated through uh, through nine weeks. So, no. um, yeah, that's uh, that's on us, I suppose. But I think a lot of people shared that sentiment. And uh, hey, you know what? If you got them, be happy. I mean, this arguably, and I've already mentioned this division being really great and really uh, competitive throughout. Um, Minus Washington. Like, yes. But a season or two ago, this was arguably the worst division. So it is interesting how sure. the tides have turned for a lot of these teams mm-hmm. in this division. Um, but yeah, not the Commanders quite yet. Maybe they're about <laughs> to find their stride. Dallas Goddard saw eight receptions for 100 receiving <laughs> yards and a receiving touchdown on nine targets. This led the team in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. So I'll ask you, do you expect A.J. Brown and my recently acquired Devontae Smith to be more consistent fantasy scorers going forward? Um, I think, and, and I said this to you before the show, but A.J. Brown, yes. Devontae Smith, not so much. Um, and, and here's my rationale. Devontae Smith, throughout this season, has been very boomer bust. Um, he's got just as many single-digit games as double-digit games this year. And Fun fact. Well, it's it's a fact. I don't know how fun it is, depending on how you feel. But, um, yeah, I, I think A.J. Brown is going to figure it out because we've already seen him be great for most of the season. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I mean, what did he do against Houston? He's still got 15.9. I don't, even, I don't even know why you're acting like he wasn't doing well. I'm just trying to throw him in there with Smith, make it feel like he is a friend. Okay, well, <laughs> I think that's irresponsible. I think it's just more about. of, yeah, he didn't have a bad week, but just, like, Goddard was obviously the star of the passing yeah. game. Well, that, I mean, that happens. That occasionally sure. happens. But, sure. um, yeah, I, I think to even put Brown and Smith in that same conversation is a bit silly. So um, I saw that Smith posted on some form of social media, either Thursday night or Friday, it was like, I don't care about your fantasy team laughing emojis. He had like two catches for 22 yards, and I'm sure a lot of people are complaining. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think it's it's cringe whenever anyone goes out of their way to at a player yeah. on their fantasy team and, and talk about, hey, you didn't do so-and-so for my team. Like, that's that's just lame. Don't be, yeah. don't be, don't be a loser. Yeah. So um, on that note, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Uh, in case it wasn't clear, we are picking the Eagles in this one, yeah. and uh, we appreciate you watching and or listening to the podcast, and we will see you again next week. Peace out, everybody.